sunburn and in light of the fact that I have skin cancer on the top of my head, I thought it well to wear a hat. This was not a fashion choice, okay? So you will be graceful to me this morning. Thank you. Very good. Well, my friends, I want to invite you to take your copy of the scriptures. We're going to start that video. Good. <laughs> and we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. Making our way through the book of beginnings. Significantly exemplified here in this passage. Beginnings. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit work in our hearts here today to learn the lesson of your faithfulness, to begin to actually believe and live like we believe your word, that we believe what you've said and we live in light of it. Help us, God, to honor you in our attentiveness here today and in our obedience which will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder how many of you have ever said, I cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Raise your hand, come on. Yeah, you've been there, sure you have. Yeah. How about this, I swear to God, I swear to God, I didn't, I didn't do it, I swear I will do it. A lot of promises, my friend. How about this one? I'll swear on a stack of Bibles as if one isn't enough, right? Yeah, because I really mean it this time. <laughs> I'm guessing probably not many ladies have said this. You can punch me in the face if I didn't, if it's not true. <laughs> Any guys out there? <laughs> You may recall that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, Again, you have heard that it was said of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Lord himself has forbidden his people to lie because he is a God of truth. And I'll tell you what, friends, it is a shame that the world doesn't think about that first, about the church. Those people who are about love and about truth. And you know whose responsibility that is? Don't go back to the 70s on this one, friends. Look in the mirror. You are the church to someone. God has forgiven his people to lie because he's a God of truth. And what he says, he will do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will do everything he said he will do? Do you believe that he will return someday? 
Yeah. Do you believe that that day will be sooner rather than later? My watch just talked to me. I've never had that happen before. That's weird. Well, my friends, this is something that the nation of Israel has to understand. And Moses, as he's wandering in the wilderness with the people of God because they refuse to go into the promised land, records these events for us that we too might understand that what God says he will do. In Genesis chapter 12, God made a covenant with Abraham, an unconditional covenant. It was not to be based on Abraham's performance, but on God's faithfulness. He promised to bless Abraham personally, to make his name great, to make of him many nations. That anyone that blesses that nation would be blessed. Anyone that curses that nation would be cursed. And through this nation, all the families of the earth would be blessed. A very, very, very important principle. Repeated to Isaac and repeated to Jacob. And here, in chapter 30... God begins to do just that. Abraham, what did he have? Was he much of a nation? No, he was the father of the nations. Just a handful of people. Then comes Isaac and his wife and a couple of boys. And then comes Jacob. And God made the same, very same promise to him in Genesis chapter 28. That same promise that he made to Abraham continues now in Jacob's life. Now you may recall that uh, this covenant involves again three aspects. Three aspects are highlighted in this covenant, particularly in 28 to Jacob. The first is about land. God had promised a land, he had given the borders to that land. The second was about people. Remember those expressions? You know, if you can count the stars in the heavens or the sands on the seashore, so you shall be able to count the descendants. God is making a mighty nation here. And it is two of those three that are focused on here in chapter 30. So take a look with me, if you will. As we see in verses 1 through 24, the Lord begins peopling this nation. Well, he's already begun it, but now multiplication starts happening rather than addition. And he does it despite this family's problems. And the problems are many. If God only used perfect people, God wouldn't get much done, I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you, that should be an encouragement to us. Because we struggle with sin, every last one of us. Some of us struggle harder against sin. And we can all struggle more against sin, I'll tell you that. We would all do better to focus on that here this morning. But take a look at some of the family's problems here in verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore no children, 
She envied her sister. She envied her sister. She was not celebrating her sister here, my friend. She was not loving her sister. Rachel envied. I wish what she had. I wish she had what I had. Nothing. That's a terrible relationship between sisters, I'll tell you that. And you'll notice also anger in verse 2. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. Why? She had said to Jacob, give me children or I die. Well, the problem is it wasn't Jacob that was at fault. And Jacob clarified that in this statement. Not a kind statement, mind you. Jacob ang Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel here in verse 2. And he said, am I in the place of God who has with withheld the, from you the fruit of the womb? Peopling is God's business. If there are no children, it is the will of God. And you know what Abraham did? He prayed. You know what Isaac did? He prayed. You know what these guys do? Keep fighting. And they followed some of the same practices. Look at here in verse 3. We see the third sin, polygamy. Polygamy. You know, I thought maybe I should tell a polygamy joke. And I'll tell you, there ain't any good jokes on polygamy. This is a bad idea, friends. This is a bad idea. Well, let's see. You've got two sisters married to the same man, and they can't stand one another. Here's an idea. Let's add another wife. And that's what they did. But I'll tell you, sin makes a fool out of everyone. Well, then she said, verse 3, here's my servant Bilah. Go into her that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. And Jacob said, what are you, crazy? No, we're not. That's not what it says, friends. Jacob listened to his wife, and he went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore a son and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me. <laughs> and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. He's heard my voice. Well, perhaps, while it's not stated that she was praying, perhaps that was going on. Because she claims here that God has heard her voice. And given me a son, therefore she called his name Dan. Dan. That's one. Somebody write that down. Well, Rachel's servant, Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mightily, mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. Apparently, the way to win in your relationship with a family member is to have more kids. It's a silly, silly, silly thing, my friends. Your family are people you ought to love. You are to be the safe space for others. And so she called his name Naphtali. And so this polygamy first is encouraged by Rachel here, and then encouraged by Leah. Again, note, 
My husband loves his other wife more than me. Let's add another wife, and that's what she does. And when Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob's wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune has come. <coughs> so she called his name Gad. And Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. And you see what is developing here is a number of kids, children of Jacob, who will become the tribes of Israel. All of these names thus far are from the tribes of Israel. And so the sins continue. The first is envy. The second is anger. The third is polygamy. And the fourth is small faith. Small faith, my friends. That's disbelief. And here in verse 14 we see, In the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found bandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your mandrakes. Well, she wasn't just a big fan of mandrakes here. You see, they were, they were berries that were found in the part of the world where they were thought to stimulate the desire to make love. An aphrodisiac. I don't know. And so here she's like, well, if the Lord ain't going to give me whatever, I'm going to manipulate this situation. And so she says, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small thing that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. What a sick, sick situation here, my friends. Boy, if God didn't use sinners, he wouldn't get much done, huh? He surely wouldn't. And so there they are. Well, the Lord begins peopling this nation, first and foremost, despite his family's problems. But here in verses 16 to 24, we notice something different. Perhaps nodded to by Rachel, the Lord has heard me. He does it in response to prayer. Now, wait a minute. You know this, right? God has called us, commanded us that we should pray. That at times we should come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy in times of need. We should pray. We should be people of prayer. Now, I've heard of this pastor in Portage who keeps telling his people to set an alarm. <laughs> Have you done it yet? Have you set that alarm on your watch, on your clock, on your whatever it takes? That at this time, I have an appointment with God every single day. And do you know why God commands us to pray? Well, we don't have time to answer all of those questions, but one of them is this. Because he gives his children good things. He wants to hear from your heart. He wants to answer 
and to lead you in the answers to these prayers, friends. Pray. So you will notice here in verse 16, when Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, well, you must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. What an interesting expression there. So he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah. God, frankly, she should have done that from the beginning. And frankly, so should you and I. It shouldn't be a second thought. You know what we should have done is we should have prayed. What we should do is trust God in every circumstance and ask for his wisdom and his resources and his direction. And so God listened to Leah. God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah gave God the praise, the, the praise, the credit here, my friends, just as you and I ought to. Look at here. Look at verse 18. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again. And she bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. And this is just frankly sad. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. And afterward she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. But then we come to verse 22. And we see that God not only listened to Leah, God listened to Rachel. Then God remembered Rachel. Look at verse 22. Now that's an interesting expression, isn't it? But you will make a mental note that whenever you're reading the Old Testament and you see that God remembers someone, what it means is he's about to act on their behalf. He is about to do something good in their world. And God remembered Rachel. And note secondly here, and God listened to her. Again, they figured, hey, maybe we ought to be praying here. And he opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, may the Lord add to me another son. Well, the Lord begins peopling this nation just as he had promised to do. Remember the whole star thing and sand on the seashore? And certainly that begins to take place. And this, my friends, is the root of the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, we'll find later that Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Yeah. But the Lord also begins to personally bless Jacob. You will notice here in verse 25 that Jacob has a desire to go. I've built up my family. I've got all of these people. It's time for me to go home. Because one thing Jacob knew is that the land that God was giving them was not the land that he was living in. 
And as soon as Rachel, notice verse 25, had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country, and give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. And so Jacob has this desire to head home. But Laban has this desire to continue to build personal riches. And notice verse 27 here. Now you know what the promise is. Anyone that blesses me, I will bless. Anyone that curses me, I will curse. Verse 27, but Laban said to him, I have found favor in your sight. And I have learned from divination, which really means diligent observation, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. The Lord has blessed me because of you. Notice Jacob says to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock have fared with me, for you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? And so they both knew it that God was blessing Jacob and God was blessing Laban through him. That's the very principle, my friends, that through this nation, all the families of the world would be blessed. And hints of it, my friends, are already made clear. And so here comes the job offer. <laughs> well, what shall I give you? Jacob said. You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. And here's his idea. Let me go through all of your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep, the undesirables. You give those to me. And you know what the great thing about that is? They're easily identifiable. As a matter of fact, that's what Jacob says here. Let me pass through your flock, removing it from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come and look into my wages with you. You come and check out my flocks. And if you see any that are not speckled and spotted, you know I'm a thief. That's basically what he says here. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. And Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. And so here is Laban now thinking, I got this guy under my thumb. This is going to be a good day. He wants to take all the ones that I don't even want to begin with. I mean, these are the lessers. These are the, the well, the undesirables, let's say. But you will notice also that Laban, 
But that day, verse 35, Laban just removed all the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So he wanted to make sure he didn't have any opportunities here. All of the things that he, Jacob said he wanted were now taken away by his sons. Nothing but white sheep. Let's see how Jacob does now. Yeah. But you will notice in verse 37... Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and the plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. Now, what he's doing here is I don't really get, but he's got some kind of strategy going on that he thinks he can uh, manipulate the sheep and the goats to have the kind of uh, black, the strongest will be the only breeding, the the ones that are just undesirable, you know, something that will only help him. Missing the whole principle here. The principle was this, that God was the one responsible for blessing Laban to begin with. What's, what's to make you think that God isn't going to bless Jacob anyway? Again, there's still that problem of scheming. And friends, if you haven't wrestled with that in your own life, it's time to. It's time to. Speaking of what time it is, let's keep going. And so Jacob is setting all of these things up. Verse 38, he set up the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks would come to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks so that the flocks brought forth striped and speckled <coughs> and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the trough before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would, not, he would not lay them there. So the feebler, those who were small and sickly, <laughs> uh, the feebler would be Laban's sheep, and the stronger would be Jacob. And notice verse 43, whatever is going on here, and I don't think it has anything to do with sticks, what we read is the man increased greatly and had large flocks and female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. And so God begins to personally enrich Jacob. Recognized by Liam and or by Liam, it's my grandson, Laban. But notice here, my friends, this is exactly what God said he would do. God said he would give them a land. God said he would people this nation. And God said he would bless them. And so know this, my friends. God says what he will do. And you and I must live in light of that. 
God blesses the holy, my friends. The place of joy, my friend, is holiness. The world says, oh no, you need more stuff. You need to go more places. You need to experience new things. God gives joy to those who are holy. Holy committed to him. Holy living for him. You're running in the wrong places. So it would do us well. Since God does what he says he will do, we should know what he said. <coughs> People of the book we should be. And friends, if you're not praying, I'm guessing you're not reading either. And if you're not spending time in the word of God, then the word of God is not getting in you. And knowing that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to direct the child of God into the will of God, you're handicapping yourself. Like letting all the air out of your tires in your car. Go ahead, hey, I got tires. I mean, you know, isn't that what they're supposed to do? It is a foolish thing, my friends, to, to neglect the Word of God. So get in the Word of God and trust His Word. You know what trust means? It doesn't just mean accept it as true. It means to live in it. It means to live in light of it. If God says this is the way, then walk in it. This is what it looks like to trust Him and keep His Word. Right now, there isn't one person here that knows about sin in their life and you've done nothing about it. Keep his word, my friends. Keep his word. If there's sin in your life, forsake it. Confess it. Find his forgiveness. And walk away from it. Keep his word, my friends, because he keeps his word. God will always do what he says he will do. And so wisdom says, seek him first. Let's sing it. His righteousness